Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on a very, very special day because it's not often I get an opportunity to interview people not only who are, um, well, in some cases famous, but also on the other side of the world. So today I've got the pleasure of having a conversation with Lee Hackett. Lee, welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Darren. Yeah, thanks a lot. Really, uh, really looking forward to it. Thanks for the invite. Awesome, mate. Love to uh, love to have a conversation about all things sales and sales leadership, but also dig into your um, into your past because you've got a very interesting background. And I just want to uh, give the listeners a little bit of uh, information here around around Lee Hackett, the man. And um, you're interestingly started as a professional soccer player. Back I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. A long time ago, though. So you know, we should qualify <laughs> that. Um, and it's um, you know, so um, yeah, but kind of my kind of first um, career, part of the career, and kind of build me up for sales so we can probably connect it to today's podcast as well. Yeah, so for, for many of the listeners in Australia, um, we don't necessarily call it football because football in the Australian parlance is the AFL game. <laughs> but uh, right. professional football player and then went straight into sales and now you're the group CEO of an organisation called Blueprints um, that are in UK, Middle East, Asia as well. So... Um, I love to explore all things from the time you were a professional footballer right now to uh, your role as a, G- a group CEO. So if you're okay with that, we'll just we'll just jump into it, eh? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Awesome. So with your with your career, I'd love to know um, a little bit about the the amount of time you spent as a professional footballer, but from the perspective of some of the key lessons you took away from that experience that you've been able to take forward into your sales career, but then specifically what you how you're looking at um, taking those forward today in your role as a group CEO. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, no, my kind of football career, Darren, started when I was really young. Um, so I'm talking kind of, you know, uh, 10, 11. And, okay. um, and anyone who kind of plays professional sport in one way or the other, it's probably the same, right? I think... Um, you know, a professional career in soccer, we should call it soccer, right? So, well, uh, what do you so call it football? It. People will know what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't worry, I'm used to calling it soccer. Um, and, you know, it starts really early. So, in regards to, uh, I started to get serious about soccer, football uh, around 10, 11. And um, uh, when I, so really young, and that kind of really distracted me from school, obviously. And, um, so I I was playing for some professional teams at a really early age, kind of in their academies, um, at a quite at a quite high level. And so when I talk about my career as a in sport, um, it's not just the kind of from sixteen to kind of twenty one. It's you know from ten eleven mm. to kind of twenty one. So it's a long period of time, and it's funny because my son he's. Um, 14 and he's kind of following in that footstep a little bit in terms of playing uh, an elite level mm-hmm. um but it, it that so that was kind of my my kind of grounding into business also because in terms of some of the learning experiences of playing football at an early age 
and um, having to be, you know, coachable, having to be a team player, um, being resourceful, being resilient, all of these kind of things, um, you have to be, you, ha- you know, to exist in that elite level of sport. But they're a fantastic kind of grounding for moving into business, which I did kind of through sales. And, um, and even now, you know, I, I kind of say up front there and, you know, I'm a salesman at heart yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm proud of it. Right. And, um, a lot of kind of CEOs now kind of would shy away from that. But for me, it's, you know, front and center, it's the, it's the lifeblood of any business. So sales was a kind of natural step and then into management and then into kind of leadership, that kind of stuff. And so when you look back on your professional football career, moving that in, moving into a sales career, did you ever see yourself back then as eventually becoming a CEO or was it a, is it, was it a progressive um, stepping sort of stone? Yeah, no, completely progressive. Um, I think when I left football I, and I, I left at a relatively early age, it was kind of around, you know, 21. Um, I went to play part-time semi-professional. So, I was then had to get into business. And when I was um, playing football, you kind of had to go to college, right? Because there's a very small percentage of people who actually go on to make a career out of these things. Yeah. And um, in any substantial way. So that's kind of built into the system. Um, so I had to go to college. I had to do business. So that helped. And um, But when I had to get a job, then I kind of had to really focus on, you know, what was, where were my core skills? What was it good at? And sales was just a natural fit, really. Um, for me, it felt kind of easy okay. to do. Um, and it was a natural next step. And from, from that transition you made, was there any specific skills that you, th- you felt made it easy for you to make that transition? Because I gather from coming from a professional football environment where, you know, you're teachable, having to play according to sort of team rules and team ethos, was there some grounding there that was easily transferable for you that enabled you to perhaps make quick progression in your sales career? Because you've gone on to to be very, very successful in what you've done. Yeah, I think um, discipline would be the 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 number one thing, right? And, and, and a, a kind of really early stages in my career, I got a job in sales and I was kind of in a team of about 20 salespeople in a, in a construction materials business. And I was, you know, you had to do so many calls per day, yep. right? So this is in a car going out to premises of your customers or meeting them and the average sales guy, I, I kind of remember, always remember this. The average sales guy at that time in that team was doing about 10, 12 a day, right? Calls now, a calls a day, right? This is physical calls. This is in a car going yeah. to site, right? So uh, in, a re, in a local area. Now, in my experience, probably it was then, the reality was probably half of that, right? So that's what they were saying they were doing, right? And... <laughs> So the reality, let's say it's half, right? And at best, um, I was quite quickly doing 20 plus. Wow. Right? Because I was just, because that discipline, which really helped me, which was in, embedded in me in sport, to be disciplined, to actually follow through on stuff and, you know, do it every day, day in, day out. 
so quite quickly I got results. I wasn't as skilled as them yep. in terms of no product knowledge or experience in sales and background, but my sheer volume of things that I did actually yeah. got the results at that time. It's amazing because one of the things I talk a lot about to sales teams and certainly leaders is focusing more on progress and focusing on uh, skill set and application rather than keeping their eyes on the prize. And, and if they do that well, then the results yeah. should take care of themselves. So um, I'm glad you said 20 calls because I nearly said, no, do you mean that's half of 20 or really? <laughs> was actually 20 calls, but um, you would have found that by doing that repetitively over time, yeah. the results would have started to come in and you would have started to develop a skill set and a higher level of conscious competence through that process. Oh, no, completely. And um, because I was green, I didn't have that product knowledge. Yeah. But I, what I did have was the, the execution in terms of volume and, um, and that discipline to, to, to execute it. So a quick, a quick question on that one. Given that because a lot of the um, a lot of sales teams have some difficulties with internal competition. Um, mm. I'd love I'd love your take on this. Coming from a professional football team, a professional sports team, where each player makes a contribution to the overall winning of the game or the success of the team, moving into a sales environment where you're now doing twenty calls against everybody else doing maybe five or six. I'd love to know from your perspective, what did you notice around the culture? And was there anything you've taken from that you've actually taken now with you into your future career and certainly into leadership? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a good point. And it caused, what I can say, I can remember it causing a lot of friction, mm. right? Because, um, you know, I was very young. That average sales rep was older. And it was kind of like, well, you know, who's this guy kind of thing? And well, for me, it was kind of well. From in in sport, you have to be you know an individual, but also a team player. Now it depends on what sport, of course. But 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 in a team sport, you have to be an individual, yeah. And you have to be able to be a team player, and you have to be able to do that simultaneously. And um, so for me, it was kind of natural, mm. right? And but in if you think about that, and 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 I think you know in terms of now business operates that way right you you have to be an individual but you have to be a team player but there's not a lot of situations in life that kind of give you that knowledge mm. right so I, often i've seen in a in a business the business is asking people to look think about the team think about the business but also hit your target yeah <laughs> right and so it, it, but actually, do people have the, you know, the kind of experience or know-how to be able to do that? So I, I did because I, you know, I did it in sport. So for me, it was very natural yeah. to actually be, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be top of the leaderboard every month here. I'm going to do more sales and I'm going to make sure I, I but I'm also going to be a team player and I'm happy to share mm. um, and I'm happy to help um, and all of those kind of things. And that, that massively helped me, but also and massively helps me now in terms of trying to create teams and how they can work effectively. <clears throat> yeah, I love that. And and with that, did you find that that obviously it was a great grounding, but was that one of the things that got you prepared for taking the next step into, into sales leadership? Because one of the things I find talking to hundreds, if not thousands of sales leaders across the world is that many of them find themselves in a position of leadership because they've been a phenomenal salesperson. 
and they get the tap on the shoulder and say, Lee, you are the number one salesperson. You have been for the last five years. We reckon you'd be awesome as running a sales team. How about you come in and do that now? And they don't necessarily give them the skill sets, the transition plan, the blueprint to be able to make that transition effectively. Was sales leadership something that just happened for you? Or was there something like a moment that said, you know what, I've got more that I can offer and now I want to move into how, how can I leverage myself and how can I pay this forward? Was it, was it a yeah. defining moment or was it just something that organically happened? I think it organically happened. I, um, I think, and, and I agree with your, that's normally how it happens, right? Yeah. And, and why does it happen? In my experience, because you want to keep the sales guy. Yeah. So, or person, right? So you want to keep them. So actually let's give them a management position, right? And um, so that, and often actually doesn't work out in my experience. Um, because you're taking your best star striker and kind of putting them on the bench, right, to manage the team often isn't the right thing to do. Yep. But it's the kind of easier thing, logical thing to do. For me, it was um, what I learned it really early on, Darren, is, is my leadership skills at that time, and, and even still now, are very much what I classify as a kind of um, lead, you know, flag bearer, right? So, um, what I ended up doing as a management is running everybody's deals, mm. right? Because I'm, I wouldn't, I, I would, um, I'm the best salesperson. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to manage you through actually doing it for you. Yeah. Right. And, um, that just isn't scalable. And I had to learn the hard way with that. You know, that took me a long time to really figure out. Yeah. And, um, and I would get the numbers, I get the quota. But actually, I'd just be propping people up. Um, so what I, what are the things that I did late in my career and realized that I'm not a good coach, right? So I think in sales, there's management and there's coaching. Yeah. And the very different personality types, right? So uh, what, I di what I did and, and do now is kind of put people around me who are good coaches, Right, because it complements my kind of skill set, my management style, and uh, and in sales, I think that's the most effective way to do it. Because ultimately, as a manager, you want to develop people, but that needs coaching. And I never had the time for that. Right, I was just we're going to hit quota no matter what. Right, and if I had to be involved in every single deal, I was going to do that because we get the number and everything's it's fine. Good. It's all good. But did you notice in the process, and this is, I mean, it's a great realization because you've now surrounded yourself with people who do do the coaching, right? Did you find that through that process that you, uh, if you weren't involved in a deal, then A, the deal didn't progress as quickly, B, we didn't get the deal, or C, we actually started to lose capability within the team in terms of they started to look to you to actually give all the answers? Yeah, I completely, it, it's, um, it's a, it's it's completely counterproductive um, <laughs> in 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 many ways. I, I, you know, my I had my average order values were higher. My conversion rate was higher. Um, the sales cycle was shorter. You know, all of those things, those tactical skill sets to be able to do that with you know with the customer is. Um, but then as soon as I, what I found, as soon as that I wasn't involved in those things, those, all those areas dropped. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I've always been interested in one of the things that for me is, is, has been a constant throughout my career is scale. Yeah. So um, I like scale. So I was thinking about, okay, how do I get this kind of, how do we get this sales team from 10 people to 20 to 30 to 50? But how do we do that in an effective way? Um, so I was always kind of that feedback loop in terms of it isn't possible for me to be across every single deal. And mm. um, so what's the better way to do this, right? And what's the, and so scale was my kind of incentive to, to get better in that area. And does that mean that you were then looking for people who could come in and play the coaching role, but still have some of the, I guess, the key attributes that you were looking for to be able to leverage so that you can actually accentuate that scale and make it make it easier, quicker? Yeah, exactly. As well as other things like, you know, dividing up the sales process, um, you know, uh, better segmentation on the type of deals, Um you know, all of these kind of things in terms of tactical steps that you can take to try and build a team. Mm. Um, but coaching is a core component of that, you know, and as well as having a really clear sales process and yep. um, clearly defined stages and all of those kind of tactical things. Because a lot of organizations either don't have a robust sales methodology or they keep changing their methodologies, thinking that the new shiny methodology be the one that makes all the difference. Um, and the other one they don't necessarily focus on a lot is also the customer's buying cycle and where the customers are in terms of their, their purchasing cycle. Um, one of the things I actually wanted to delve in and just ask, ask around was in relation to um, your scale, right? Did you, was there a period of time where there was like a, and I'm not sure whether it's a tipping point or an inflection point where there was this crossover between you doing all the deals and then you being able to be sitting back and still having the scale happen and still see the results coming in. Did that happen like quickly or was it an evolution? Oh, it was definitely an evolution. Yeah. Um, took me years um, to, to really figure out a methodology to do that um, because it's ego as well, right? Um, because it felt good for, to be involved in the deals. And, and But even now, I I am I, still involved in deals within the business that um, – you know, that I run, which is a global business when there's, and there's people um, in specific organization there to run deals and develop the deals. And, but I get involved only when I can add value. Mm. So now, you know, so I can come in as group CEO and I can maybe help facilitate a, a deal to move faster or negotiate a particular payment terms or whatever that might be. Right. So, um, but I, I kind of now resisted the urge to try and really come in and, you know, manage every deal. But it took me years. And I, and I think um, with the organizational structure, the tactical elements, you know, getting the right orgs, getting the right people, sales process, how you record the information, or, you know, what you sell, how you sell, the whole go-to-market. These are all pieces of the jigsaw. There's not one lever you can pull, in my experience, to really make a difference. But of course, it depends on you know the size of the business and the, the scale of the business. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm a firm believer that everything we do leads to the next the next step, right? And for different people, it might be a different time frame by which that next step appears. Um, thinking back and looking back now, would there be anything that you would change or do differently earlier that you think would have either fast tracked the development of your sales team? 
or fast track the development of the business if you had your time over. Because it's it's often we, we get the benefit of hindsight and it's only through hindsight that often we can get the key lessons. But I'm just curious based on your perspective, um, having gone through what you've gone through, building multiple businesses around you know millions of dollars, um, would you have done anything differently? And what sort of advice would you give to people now who are in a position that you were right now? Yeah, it, oh God, hundreds of things, right? Um, but <laughs> well, I, if there was just one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I'm not, I'm not a, a reflective person. I kind of um, often, I'm always thinking about the, the go forward piece, yep. and then that that kind of loop is running in the background. Um, but I would say that the, the the one thing which I personally find now more impactful, and if it, it, and this is just isn't sales related, is Often what we would do is spend lots and lots of time on salespeople really develop honing their skills around product knowledge or market knowledge and all of those kind of things. And that is, has a value, but in terms of level of effort, level of impact, which is the way I like to think about things, yeah. actually understanding people and how people operate was much more impactful. And um, so we did a lot of work and do a lot of work in terms of understanding the psychometrical side of sales and psychology of a sale. Yeah. And not everybody thinks that way. I do, and that's what helped me in sales, right? I could, I was able to understand people really quickly, understand their motivations, um, and I was able to then obviously um, mirror that, right? Which is important and. Um, but I, I've often seen salespeople who kind of double down on the product knowledge, double down on the market knowledge, but actually don't get the people. In my experience, they're always less effective or less successful. So I think that would be the one thing. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's a great point because even today, certainly in Australia, some of the organizations I'm working with, they spend so much time focusing on let's upskill our sales team in terms of the product knowledge, the sales process, and they forget or they neglect to focus their time on buyer cycles, uh, psychology yeah. of the buyers, what's going to make yeah. these customers buy, what's the problem that we want to solve, yeah. which is a great a great segue actually into the role that you do now, Group C of, mm -hmm. of Blueprints X. Um, and I'd, I'd be really interested in your uh, take on technology and how technology has actually changed sales and maybe even think about the is is the profile of the modern salesperson fundamentally different to what it was when you were carrying the bag so to speak um, and if it is different how has technology played a role in changing that mm. yeah no massive um, I think the, the, the bit of context so the, the business I, I run now BPX is a global consultancy in marketing and sales technology so we consult to some really large organizations and on how to maximize the the use of this technology yep. so um and that business has also grown um very fast um and using the technology but also because of the demand right so because there's a huge demand requirement in this area before that, though, my kind of since my MO in foot, in, but prior to football was always about scale and growing businesses quickly. So, yep. but previously, I'd grown and exited businesses in different sectors in different locations. So, kind of going into consultancy on it now is more about actually 
um, I'd used the technology, I'd used the tactics, I'd used, so okay, it makes sense to kind of consult on it, right? And then we've, we've grown that from there. But it, it, you make a really great point. And this is, so I, I often one of the things when I'm talking to clients, I'll talk to them about in terms of the, the opportunity the technology brings, but also um, the difficulty. Because, you know, the typical salesperson now, um, and it, this depends on the sector, can be more acute. So let's take technology as a sector. Um, you know, the typical salesperson, the attributes that a salesperson has to have now is very different than what it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. So um, let's make the comparison. So 10 years ago, you probably had a, you know, experienced 10, 15 years enterprise sales person who'd understood the customer, kind of understood the technology, you know, could do a deal, could get it closed, all of those kind of things. But actually, all of the other stuff around admin, right, or uh, forecasting and all of those kind of things, well, you know what, we'll kind of, we won't bother with that, right? Because this individual ultimately gets the number, yeah? Exactly. Now, it's very difficult to exist in any organization of scale without having the ability to manage the technology. Let's say it's Salesforce or CRM or um, sales effectiveness tools or sales enablement tools. So what this is doing is creating an opportunity for businesses to get better visibility of the pipeline, better visibility of of revenue, of um, all of these kind of things. But it's it's putting a lot of emphasis on the individual and um, salesperson. So I've seen uh, in my I've been running this business BPX now for about five years, six years, and and um, and I've seen a huge turnover in organisations of salespeople. Yeah, a lot of people leave the industry because of this, right? Um, because they actually don't want to participate in actually being able to you know, or, be, or spend a lot of time in technology and using technology to sell and putting stuff into CRM and all of those kind of things. So so it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? From a business perspective, really good, really good opportunity. Salespeople are very expensive. Can you make them more efficient? Can you help them win deals? Can you get visibility of revenue? But from a salesperson perspective, huge adaptation in skills. And with, with that, um, and certainly from a technology point of view, customers and potential customers or buyers are a lot more, I guess, better educated today than perhaps they were 10 years ago because the research that's available, the information that's just at their fingertips. Um, so I wonder how, from your perspective, how that also plays a part in the type of salesperson we get in and do they still need to be a, a problem solver because... I know back when I was carrying the bag, back in the old days, you used to go in and talk to a CIO or a CEO and ask them how their business was and what keeps them up at night. And I guarantee if you ask that question today, they'll say, hey, there's the door, never come back. So from your perspective, what are you seeing in terms of the education of the buyer and how is that having an impact on the sales force and certainly how you lead the sales force? Is it, is it fundamentally different or is it, or is it never, never changed? I think it's different by industry, of course. So, um, but I think speaking generally, it's it, it, sales now a team sport. Mm. So, 
you know, I think there's very few now industries where you, you won't have multiple stakeholders. So it kind of comes back to where we started the conversation uh, and started the podcast. Um, the ability to, I think you still have to do that, Darren. You still have to have that individual who understands the customer, can see the buying signals, can kind of see what's going wrong, where it's going wrong. Um, so they're the kind of, and someone who can get it over the line, right? You know, because ultimately deals got to be get over, get over the line Absolutely. and get closed. But you also then need other people within that. And I think that's the difference in the buying, you know, the, the buying journey for me on the client end. Yes, they can access the information yep. um, easier. There's more choice for sure. Um, but it's actually the processes within that business are very different. So you may have someone who's, um, you know, if you have these committee-based decisions. Yep. So you have multiple personas in a buy-in cycle where I think maybe let's say 10 years ago, you may have one or two. Now you may have five or six. So, which means you've got to match up at your end. And so it's just much more complex. Mm. I would, I would, I would say. So the orchestration of that um, is really, really important. And technology helps that orchestration um, and makes that more efficient. And that's where you see a lot of huge growth in areas such as sales enablement platforms and sales effectiveness platforms to manage a lot of that kind of orchestration in the deal. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot. And I, I operate a lot in the B2B space. So um, that's where it's more acute than, than, than most. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And if there was, uh, if there was, one piece of advice as the as the CEO of a global organization that you're giving advice to a sales leader today or even an aspiring sales leader, is there certain skill sets and it? it may well be what we've already talked about, but is there anything specific that you would give advice to in terms of a sales leader to prepare them for, I guess, the next five or 10 years in terms of what you can see happening in terms of industries? That, are, that enable them to be truly effective. And I mean, I'm always about how do we actually create exceptional sales leaders where they deliver sustainable results over a long period of time? Is there is there something that you're seeing that is missing in the marketplace that you would give advice to to a sales leader today that help plug that gap? No, I, I think um, I think the key thing is is just understand this, the core skill set changes. So it's not an either or kind of requirement. So uh, I think often I see sales leaders think about it in terms of I have a, I'll try and articulate this in a way that everybody do, would understand. So, uh, you know, if I, if I come in, if I'm a chief sales officer of a enterprise level business and I'm managing the APAC region, right? And I, I bring in, I've got 30 to 40 salespeople. I often see where a sales leader will come in and think, right, I've got kind of this, old school, traditional sales org, very expensive enterprise salespeople who are not giving me the visibility I need of pipeline of revenue. Just and, and Yeah, exactly. Just trust me. I've got it in a spreadsheet. You know, I'll get it over the line. And often what they'll think is I need to get rid of that yeah. and transform that whole, whole team to be more, let's say, the other profile, graduates, right? So sales graduates, and then I'll split the sales team up into BDRs, SDRs, all of these kind of things. 
And that is, that definitely works and that's part of it. But I would say that the division of responsibility is more important. So like I said before, some of those old, perceived to be old school salespeople, you still need, yeah, right? Because they're the people who are going to get the deal over the line. Yeah. And but you need to embed them into the team. So again, it comes back to where we started the podcast. It's thinking about the overall team and the division of responsibilities across the team. Yeah. That is, if I think about the chief sales officers, chief revenue officers, or sales directors who I know who are absolutely killing it, going from business to business to business, getting paid phenomenal amounts of money, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And, and so uh, um, that's what my advice would be. Think about the division of responsibilities within the team, not just thinking about having one type of individual within the team. And as you say, it's almost what we talked about at the beginning and it's something what, what you did in terms of bringing in people who could complement your skill set and you could then unleash the potential of your sales team by bringing in people who could coach that would still enable yeah. you to do the things you needed to do to get the deals over the line. Yeah, exactly. And and um, it makes things more complex, um, provides um, you know compensation and stuff like that becomes more tricky. Yeah. But it's it's very much more effective that way. Brilliant. Mate, it's been a uh, been a phenomenal conversation. Such uh such uh an eclectic uh eclectic mix of experiences, but also lots of great advice and insights from your your career so far. Um for people who are listening, where's the best place to find out more about uh not only you in terms of Lee Hackett, but also BPX uh and should they wish to uh, find out more information about how to engage BPX. Where's the best place to uh, for them to go? Yeah, you know, BPX, uh, sorry, uh, blueprintx.com um, um, is the best place to to check out what 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 Blueprint does. Um, and me on LinkedIn, right? Okay. Putting my name, Lee Hackett, on LinkedIn. Uh, connect. More than happy if someone wants to reach out with any questions. Um, you know, definitely engage back on those. Um, but now it's been great, Darren. And, and as I said, I think sales is um, the the kind of industry being disrupted by technology now. Yeah. And I think that's super exciting. So, and also, but a huge opportunity. Massive opportunity. And you know what? The world would not be rotating if it wasn't for salespeople. And Absolutely. We, need, we need sales leaders also to help the sales people become uh, become extraordinary and exceptional so mate it's been phenomenal having a chat with you i know you've got a, uh, a pretty tight timeline so um thanks for jumping on i'll make sure all these show notes are on the podcast and uh if people want to get in contact with you as lee said go to blueprint uh, blueprints.com uh and also uh check out linkedin and and lee would be more than happy to connect so lee thank you so much for investing time i know it's morning in the uk and it's evening here in australia so greatly appreciate it and uh look forward to speaking to you again thanks darren appreciate it good morning, mate. cheers thank you for listening to the exceptional sales letter podcast i trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.